Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to say thank you so much for being with us today. Whether you are in person with us at the Marcus Theater or whether you are watching online through our online campus or through Facebook or even listening through a podcast, we are so glad that you're here today. So thanks for being with us. You're part of our family and we love you so, so very much. Today is a special day for us for multiple reasons. Uh, we, we are gathered here in person. If you're not able to, to gather with us in person just yet, know that, that in July you'll be able to. We've already got our July gather date right here at the Marcus on the calendar. I believe it'll be July 18th. Watch for details coming up for that. But the reason that I'm excited about us being in this theater is for those of you that already know because we've been talking about it through our weekly announcements is that we've put an offer in on a building. And so we're not long for this movie theater. Is anybody here? Excited about that. Yeah, I know that I am excited about that as well. We're really hoping uh, hoping and praying and believing uh, that this place will be the place that God uh, allows us to, uh, to use to make a difference in the community in a way that we had never, ever had before. So we're working through that process right now and super excited. Uh, we could have a building within the next five or six weeks, which would be really, really amazing. And of course, a lot of work to go into it to do that. But, but here's what I know about you people at Simple Church. You are used to rolling up your sleeves and pulling up your bootstraps and saying, let's get to work. And so I love that about you. And I'm looking forward to uh, that part of our journey together as well and getting back to uh, regular meetings uh, on a Sunday morning and gathering together. So uh, super excited about that. Today, I'm also excited because today is a special day. Today's Father's Day. And so dads, we want to celebrate you in a special way. First of all, if there's any dads here in person, would you just stand to your feet so that we can see you and everybody here, give them a manly kind of greeting, give them a whoop, 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 or like deeper, like whoop, 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 uh, something like that. Yeah, dads, we love you so much. We're so thankful for you. Uh, Thanks for for all you invest in us and thanks for surrendering your lives and giving so sacrificially for us. We appreciate you and love you today. Dads, we wanna celebrate you and the way that we're doing that is today, we are inviting you after service is over When you exit the building to make an immediate left, and you can jump in your car if you want to because it's a bit of a walk down, but down on the left is Cold Stone uh, Ice Creamery. And all the dads, we are buying you ice cream today. So uh, as soon as you leave here, head right on over there and we'll get you taken care of. Uh, Super excited. So between 11 and 12 today, head on down to uh, the uh, Cold Stone Ice Creamery and we'll get you hooked up. All right. Well, we also have a special message uh, for all the dads and really on Father's Day uh, for all the men. And the title of this series uh, or this message today is called uh, Warrior. It's, uh, it's all about winning the battles that matter most. Uh, now, I, I don't consider myself much of a warrior. I definitely relate with a warrior, but, uh, but nobody looking at me and my soft body would consider me a warrior. But I'm going to tell you, there's been times that I have felt like a warrior. Uh, there was a few years ago when my kids were way little. Now they're all 18 and 19 years old and grown. And, but when they were way little, uh, I remember they came into the house after they were out riding their bikes and they were crying and they had marks on their legs. And I'm like, what in the world happened to you? And in between, they said that some kids down the way had started making fun of them, calling them names as they just kind of rode around the block. And they started throwing rocks at them and hit them. 
Oh, that was all I needed to hear. And Papa Bear came out. Like I turned transformed into like this samurai warrior and I busted out the front door. The kids, my kids pointed where those kids were. They were still out on the street, like just almost right in front of my house. And I started storming across the street. Now I can't even imagine what it was like to be those kids and see me, this big guy bounding across the street. And I was yelling and pointing my fingers, screaming at him. You never seen so many kids jump on their bikes and take off so fast in all my life. Like it was hilarious uh, to me in, in retrospect. Cause at the time I was heated, I was fired up and I was ready to protect my little cubs. The point is, is that men, sometimes in your life, you're going to have to learn to stand up for what's right. If you don't, then it's, it's possible and probable that you won't stand up for your wife. You won't stand up for your kids. You, you, if you don't choose to stand up for what's right in those moments, you, you probably won't stand up for the oppressed and you probably won't stand up for Jesus. Because see, as Christ followers, there will be times that we are called to draw a line in the sand and to take a stand. Here's why I say that. Men, God created you with the heart of a warrior. See, we were made in the image of God. And as we look through scripture, we find there are a lot of attributes of God that get that he gets assigned. One of them is father. So like a loving father or provider because he provides for our needs. Redeemer because he redeemed our life. All the mistakes that we made, he redeemed them, added purpose and value to them. He's savior because he saved us from our sins and eternal damnation in hell. And, and he's our healer because he heals our hearts. He heals our, our minds. He heals our bodies. But there's one attribute that I really love. It's found in Exodus uh, chapter 15, verse three. And it says this, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. And so he's got this attribute to him. And if he's our heavenly father, and if we are made in the image of him, then I would tell us, tell you that, that each and every one of us men are, have this hardwired into us, the heart of a warrior. We have a desire, in other words, to fight for what's right. Now, I can already feel and sense some of the pushback and the tension that is in the room because when we talk about Christians, Christians shouldn't be warriors. We shouldn't be fighters. We should be lovers. We should be tender. We should be full of grace. And, and the answer is absolutely yes to that. Yes, absolutely. Because Jesus, when he walked this earth, he was full of love. He was full of mercy and he was full of grace. But Jesus was also the greatest warrior who ever lived. We see that Jesus through scripture and his story where he takes a stand. One of the times that he did it was when he came to the temple. And you need to understand that, that the, the people of God, uh, the Israelites or the Jews, they, they brought sacrifices to the temple. And oftentimes uh, there were people who didn't have the sacrifices to bring. They didn't have the animals that were required to sacrifice. So they didn't have the, the doves. They didn't have the lambs or the goats. So they, they, they didn't have all the things that they needed. And so they would come and they would exchange what they had. They would exchange their foreign currency or they would exchange uh, in order to get an animal. And what happened was, is that the house of God was perverted and it was turned into a place where people were making profit. And they were doing so scandalously so because the money traders had uneven weights and they, the, the, they used to weigh the money then because it wasn't necessarily a coin at that time. And so they, would, they had weights that were off balance and, and, and that were 
in the favor of the merchant and not the person. And so they were essentially robbing. There, were, there was all of this going on inside of the temple. And Jesus shows up and it was said about him through scripture. It was prophesied that he would have such a zeal for the house of God. And Jesus comes in and he sees that scene. He sees, where pe- sees the scene where people are being taken advantage of. He sees the scene where the house of God is perverted and turned into a place of profit. And so Jesus comes in, he flips the, te- the, the, the tables in the temple. The money gets scattered everywhere. He grabs a whip and he runs off the animals out. He drives them out and says, There's, this is not happening on my watch. There was another time that Jesus was teaching and what he was teaching was so controversial with the, the religious leaders of that day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And it got everybody so riled up that they grabbed him and this angry mind grabbed Jesus and they carry him out to this hill and there's a, there's a huge cliff. They were just going to throw him off the edge of the cliff. And Jesus, he turns around. The Bible says he just turned around and passed on through them. Now, I'm not really sure how that happened. So if I'm just kind of imagining in my mind, one of the ways that you have to imagine that happened is maybe, maybe Jesus allowed them all that in a moment, just before they threw him over the cliff, to see him for who he really was. To see that he was fully man, but he was also fully God. And maybe in that moment, they decided, you know what? I don't want none of this. Like as if they, maybe, maybe Jesus, while they were carrying him out, maybe, maybe his sleeve rolled up and all of a sudden they saw his carpenter muscles and were just like, nope, pass. This is a hard pass. There's a hundred of us, but I still don't want none. And the scripture says that he walked right through him. Nobody did anything to him and he went on his way. We also can't forget that Jesus, not only did he do this thing in the temple and do this thing in the crowd, but he also won the ultimate battle when he went up against Satan and sin and hell and death and the grave. When he laid his life down and was crucified on the cross and rose from the dead three days later, he defeated all of those things. He led captivity captive. He is the ultimate victor. His, one of his closest friends, John, he had a vision of Jesus' return, and he writes about it in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, and he describes Jesus this way. He said, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. That's Jesus, by the way. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter and on his robe and on his thigh. He has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is Jesus. He's full of grace. He's full of truth, love and justice. But he's, he's also ready to turn a cheek, but he's also willing to throw a punch. He's a warrior and we are supposed to be just like him. So my question is, is is if we are Christ followers and we're supposed to be like him, where have all the warriors gone? Where have all the men of God gone in this day and in this time period, specifically in this pandemic? You know, it's not uncommon that the men of God went absent because all through history in the the Bible, you'll see that men were absent. And I'm not sure what they were doing. Maybe they were off playing Xbox in their mom and dad's basement. I'm not really sure. But look what it says in Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. It says this, I looked for a man among them. This is God saying, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap 
on behalf of the land. In other words, somebody that would, that would intercede, somebody that would stand as a warrior in the gap on behalf of somebody else. And on behalf of the land, so I would not have to destroy it. But watch, he says, I found none. He, he said, I found none. I just needed one who would stand in the gap to defend and to fight. But none could be found. Where have all the men of God gone? Gentlemen, I want to tell you today that deep within you is a desire to fight for something bigger than yourself. And I, here's what I, I believe happened is I believe that men have been, that, that culture has tried to silence men. They have tried to silence and, and weaken them to tell them not to use their strength, to, to keep them on the back burner. And so what I want to do is I want to help you today. I want to, I want to offer you some training as it were. I want to equip you to be the warrior that God has called you to be. And there's two things you have to know that every warrior must know. First is, is that every warrior has a cause to fight for. I'll say it again. Every warrior has a call to fight for. The truth is, is you're never fully going to live until there is something for which you're willing to die. You know, in the Bible, in the book of Nehemiah, we find this, we find Nehemiah having returned back to Israel and he's building a wall. And as he's building them, he's rallied the people and they're, they're building a wall. He's got this enemy that is threatening to, to, uh, to stop them. And, and Nehemiah tells the people, he gives them a speech in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. He says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Nehemiah was encouraging them, men, step up and fight for something that is bigger than yourself. And what happened with those men is that something came alive within them. They chose to fight, but to continue to build the wall. In fact, the way that they built the wall was they had a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. They chose to rise up against the enemy who was threatening to stop them, who was threatening their security. They had something bigger than themselves to believe in. And something came alive within them. And, 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 and the call for them and for you is to fight for your city, to fight for your children, to fight for the wives and fight for your homes. You know, I love a good movie. Uh, I, I love all kinds of different movies. I, I, uh, I love watching epic movies though, where, where, where there's a warrior that is called, maybe it's an underdog kind of thing, but either way, there is a warrior that is called to fight, to free the oppressed, to right the wrongs and to rescue the weak. Like I love those kind of movie, movies. They get me excited. They get my adrenaline pumping. And there's this epic scene in, in, in an older movie, but it's so popular and so well-known. It's from the movie Braveheart. And, uh, and there's this incredible scene where he is challenging the men to, to uh, rally. This is William Wallace. This is a true story, although I'm not sure how, how much is true throughout the entire movie. But, but, but there's this epic scene. Check a, take a look at it right now. All right. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. I'm dying in your beds. Many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! 
Isn't that incredible? Like you can feel that inside you when he says, they'll never take our freedom. Listen, man, I believe that we need a cause to fight for. And I don't want to tell you what your cause is. Maybe your cause is your marriage. You know, if you don't fight for your marriage, it is quite possible that you won't have one. And you have the choice to say that, hey, this fight is just too tough and to walk away. Or you could choose to own your issues and apologize, to give grace, to give mercy, give forgiveness, and learn to fight for your marriage, not in your marriage. That, that, that's your choice. Or maybe your fight is, is your kids. You know, maybe, maybe as a man, you've been off being successful in your career and you failed to be a good dad. And maybe it's time that you learn to fight for them. Maybe you've been, been busy with your finances and maybe, you've, maybe you're in a situation where you are financially ruined and it's time to change your spending habits, to get a budget, to develop some disciplines, to grow in your generosity. And all of that, you're going to have to fight for it. Or maybe your fight is addiction. And, and, and maybe it's, it's not necessarily alcohol and drug addiction, or maybe it is, and you have to fight to overcome that. Maybe it's, it's pornography addiction, and you need to learn to fight for your purity. Because if not, your addiction will absolutely take you out. Or, or, or maybe the, the, the cause that you're going to fight for, you're going to learn to discover why you're here on this earth. You're going to go through growth track and you're going to find out why, why God or how God has wired you and what he's given you to, to use to make a difference. And you're going to join a team. I, I have no idea, but we're all created with a cause to fight for. And I, don't, I, and I believe that you're never, ever fully going to live until there is something for which you're willing to die. Second thing you need to know is that a warrior without a cause to fight for will find the wrong thing to fight against. Paul, uh, the apostle in Acts 8.3, um, he was formerly known as Saul. And then he has this encounter with God. And this encounter with God is, is when his name gets changed to Paul. Paul will go on to write the majority of the New Testament. That's the second half of your Bible. And uh, he would go on to plant churches and make a huge impact for Jesus. But before he was Paul, he was Saul, and he was out fighting against the church of God. It says this, that, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Paul was fighting against something because he didn't have something to fight for. Now, listen, as we talk about this, I don't want to be so insensitive as to overlook this, that, that there's likely somebody here, whether you are a woman or whether you're a child, that, that the idea of, of empowering men to, to be warriors, you, you don't like the verbiage, you don't like the idea of it. And it's likely that some of that baggage, some of that, that you carry, that attitude stems from the fact that you've been hurt by a man's strength and you've seen a man's strength gone bad. And first of all, I just want to tell you that first, that's not okay that you've experienced that. And so I would say on behalf of all men that, that I'm sorry. And I believe that someday the men who have used their strength in a poor way will be held accountable for the violence that they have uh, poured out on, on others, whether that's their spouse or their kids, violence physically or, or, or even with their words. But strength used right is not a bad thing. In fact, if you've ever been loved and protected by strength, you'll know and understand that it, it's a very, very 
powerful thing. And so, so, so wherever you're at on the issue, please, please just understand what I'm talking about is a right usage of the strength that God has placed within us. And know this, that a warrior without the right cause is destructive. Men, if you don't have a right cause, you will fight against uh, potentially authority in your lives. You, that means you might be fighting against your boss. You might be fighting against God. You might be fighting against uh, pastors. You might be fighting against yourself, maybe even fighting against your wife or even those that are trying to help you. Because a warrior without the right cause to fight for will find the wrong thing to fight against. There's a great story of a warrior found in the book of Judges and uh, Samson is, is this character. He was one of the judges that was appointed to defend Israel during the time that, that uh, this was after Moses had died and after Joshua had died and in between the time before they had appointed a king. In the book of Judges, it just says that everybody went around doing whatever they saw fit and lived their life however they saw fit. But, but there were times that the Israelites were, were in, in need of help and God would appoint a judge to serve for 20 to 40 years. And, and one of them was called Samson. And Samson was called to be a warrior. In other words, he was a physical warrior. He wasn't just a prophet or a, 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 a priest or a king. He, he was a warrior. And that meant to, to physically fight with the people who were oppressing the Israelites. And for him, that was the Philistines. And Samson was this really strong guy with a dangerously weak will. Because along the way, he had lost his purpose. He had lost the fact, lost sight of the fact that God had called him to defend these people. And he, what wound up happening is that he wound up fighting against himself on several fronts. He got in all kinds of issues because of three things. First, it was lust. He said, you know what? He saw certain things that he wasn't supposed to have. He saw relationships. He saw women. He saw food. He saw alcohol. He saw all kinds of things and said, you know what? I want it. And then this sense of entitlement came over him that we see through scripture where, where he felt, you know what, I want it uh, and I deserve it. So he starts justifying his participation with things and in places and with people that he should not have had anything to do with. And then because of his pride, because of his pride, he ignored all warnings and said, you know what, I, I want it, I deserve it, and I can handle it. Let me tell you something, that is the work of the enemy in your life who will walk you down a pathway of taking, uh, taking you from being a strong man and making you weak. Because that's exactly what Satan loves to do. The good news is, is God loves to take weak men and make them strong. For Samson, Samson played around with all these things that he should not have been, relationships, alcohol, all kinds of, of things that violated who God called him to be. He had lost his sense of purpose and laying in his girlfriend's lap, she, she gets paid to find out the secret to his strength and he lies to her repeatedly and finally she nags him enough and he says, okay, if you cut my hair, I'll lose my strength. And so she does, she cuts his hair and the Philistines come upon him and he has no strength. They gouge out his eyes and they throw him in prison. But what happened in prison was that his hair began to grow again. And I love this part of Samson's story because what it tells me is that if you're not dead, you're not done. And so men today, if you're here and you've been, you've forgotten your sense of purpose, you've gotten entangled with all kinds of stuff that you should not have been entangled with, that you've forgotten the most important battles that you should have been fighting, that if you're not dead, God's not done with you yet. There is hope 
that is here for you today. So if you needed that hope, there's your little shot of hope. You've been fighting against yourself. You've been fighting with your family. You've been fighting with your wife or fighting against your future you. And there is hope. You simply need to do what Samson did. Turn this thing around and be committed to fight. And there's two ways, men, that you're going to have to fight today. The first way is that sometimes you're going to have to throw a punch. Now, I'm not talking about actually getting into a fist fight with somebody where you're like, do you really want to fight me? Do you want to catch these hands? No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, there, this is a metaphorical kind of punch, right? Not throwing a punch at somebody because they upset you, okay? We're talking about you're going to have an opportunity to stand up for what is right, and you're going to throw a punch. And that's exactly what Samson did. Samson threw a punch. In Judges 16, verse 28 through 30, it says, Then Samson prayed to the Lord. He's in prison, by the way. Eyes are gone, but his hair's grown back. Sovereign Lord, remember me again. So he turns to God. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. And then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple and pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. And at the end of a story like that, man, we want to stand, we want to cheer like, yeah, that's my boy, Samson, come on, yeah. But let me tell you something about what Samson did here. Yes, he had a massive victory, but what he did was easy. In that, Samson only had to die once. He was a hero in just the moment. And you're like, man, that is really awesome. Eh, do you know what's more awesome? Do you know what's more amazing? It's to die daily. Uh, and that's a harder thing to do. That's a hard thing to do. But this is the way we are called to, to throw a punch, to die to ourselves daily. What does that look like? Well, that, that means daily submitting yourself to God, getting in his word, learning spiritual disciplines like prayer, like fasting, and worship. These are important things. It means, guys, you're going to have to lay down your life for your spouse. It means giving up your rights, your right to be right sometimes. It means giving up your privileges. It means giving up your preferences and preferring her. It means turning off the Xbox and the PS4 and the Nintendo Switch. It means turning off ESPN. It means spending more time at home with the kids than you spend on the basketball court or on the baseball diamond. It means laying down your life for your spouse. It means laying down your career potentially to be home more often with your kids so that you can invest in something that's eternal. It means confronting an injustice in your life and in the world around you, which, man, you want to throw a punch, you can join us next week, June 27th, at, at the Gloves Off event that we've been talking about. It is an opportunity for us to gather around as, as a, a predominantly white church with a predominantly black church. We're going to worship together, and we're going to tackle the subject of racism. You say, Aaron, I'm not a racist, and I'm tired of hearing about it. Listen, let me just encourage you to humble yourself and to step into a space that is uncomfortable for you. Because as we talk about it, I think you're going to understand that, that nobody thinks you're a racist. We just, we just think that we all have racist ideas and policies that if we uproot in, in, within ourselves, if we humble ourselves, ask God to examine us and to have the conversation together, we can take some steps forward together that can make things better 
exponentially if we're willing to do it. Join us next week, 6 p.m., Franklin Park. Find more details on our website. So you can confront an injustice, whatever that looks like. Racism is a powerful one right now. You can stand up for the weak. You can engage in spiritual warfare, interceding and praying for someone who's going through troubling and difficult times. Or maybe even getting between your child and the wrong crowd that they are associating with. Parents stepping in and taking ownership in that moment. You will not win any popularity contest doing that. But your child who is being influenced improperly needs you to step into that space and to throw a punch. Maybe it's just as simple as humbling yourself and saying you were wrong. Listen, a great man of God lays his life down daily to serve his family, to serve his church, and to serve the oppressed. Too many of us are living our lives for ourselves. And your life, you're focused on earning money. You're focused on success. You're focused on your weekends and your boat and your sports and you're wasting your passion and your lives on empty things and you wonder why you feel that emptiness inside. Instead of wasting your life on things that are empty, find something that bothers you in the world. Find something that when you see it, you're like, this thing ought not be. Throw a punch. Does, does it bother you how many single moms are in your community? Does it bother you to see that the foster system is inundated with too many kids, but not enough foster parents? Does it bother you that a community, maybe in a, in a third world country, doesn't have clean water? Does it bother you that, that, that there's, there's some people that, that need a safe community, that there are kids in other countries who, who can't even walk down the street unless they would be, unless they would be harassed or even, even, uh, 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 coerced into joining gangs or becoming uh, drug runners for the gangs and, and getting involved in the sex trade. Like, like there is a need for safe community, for education, for food, and, and for relationships that are safe that will lead them to a loving God despite their surroundings. Or, or maybe it just bothers you that, that, you know, every Christmas you and your family have plenty of presents to go around, but there are some families that are struggling. And so you want to throw a punch and go, you know what, this year we're going to we're going to do less. We're going to give ourselves half and we're going to give the other half away so that another family can experience a beautiful Christmas or, or maybe it's just to recognize the, the inequities in our world and work to see them. And I'm not sure, but it's time to throw a punch, to do something about it. What stirs your heart when you see that this injustice is occurring? It's time for you to throw a punch, gentlemen. The second way we fight as a warrior is sometimes you got to turn a cheek. You know, the strongest thing you can do as a warrior sometimes is absolutely to turn the other cheek. What does that mean? Well, here's, here's what happened. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is talking about this inequality that existed, that, that, that be, there was plenty of relationships in there uh, in their culture and in their community that were oppressive, right? So we got the Romans to the Jews, we've got masters to slaves. And unfortunately, in this time period, uh, it was, and Jesus did not condone this. He was just speaking into the culture that exists, husbands to wives. They were abusive. And there were all kinds of laws that allowed them to be abusive. For a Roman soldier, he could ask you to carry his backpack and carry all his stuff a mile. For, for masters to slaves, you could beat your slaves any way that you wanted to. The same with husbands and wives. There was laws protecting them uh, for doing that. But Jesus comes along in the Sermon on the Mount and he talks about, he says, if anyone strikes you 
on the right cheek. Now, Jesus is being specific here because he says, if any, some people say, if anybody strikes your cheek, turn the other. But Jesus said, if someone strikes your right cheek, what you need to understand about his culture in that day is that, that uh, they were a very right-handed driven culture, that the right hand was the hand of power. The right hand is what you did most things with. The left hand was an unclean hand. It was a hand that you used to, well, to, to take care of your business. And, and, and nobody would have thought of raising their right hand to strike anyone because it was unclean. They, they didn't even, their, their culture was such that they didn't raise their right hand above their belt waist or, or above their waist, waist area here. They did everything with their right hand. And so Jesus is speaking into this culture and he says, if you get struck on the right cheek, which means that, that, that the person striking you would have used their right hand and they would have struck you using the back of your hand like this. And it would have hit you on your right cheek, okay? So when Jesus says to turn the other cheek, what he's saying is, is that what you're gonna do in this moment in a nonviolent and creative way is establish some equality through love. Go with me here. Because see, if, they were, if you were to turn the other cheek and offer the other cheek, your left cheek, they could not hit you with the left hand because this was an unclean hand. They would not have thought to do that. And to hit you with the right hand, they would not have swung and smacked you like this with, with the palm of their hand. This would have been a gentle touching, right? Like a, like a sign of, of acknowledgement, of equality. And so the only way to do this would have been to throw a punch. And here's the problem. The only people that fought during that time period were equals. The master to servant did not fight like that. Equals would have. And so this is what Jesus is saying. He's like, we're not gonna go violent. We're not gonna throw a punch. If somebody slaps us or strikes your cheek, make them throw a punch. Make them through a nonviolent, creative way Establish equality through love because here's what happens when you do that. They're, they do not want to. What happens is when, the, when, you, when you make them throw a punch, the ones that are oppressing you, it makes you equal with them and it may, gives them pause for thought. So Jesus here is saying, turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. The, the, the point of it, of turning the other cheek to respond to the oppression with love was to have the person who was oppressing, to have the person who was offending, the one who was doing the striking, to have their heart changed. We watched Jesus do this several times in brilliant fashion. Watch how Jesus turns the other cheek. If you've never heard this before, I just love this. Jesus is in the garden and uh, he's there praying. And this is the time that, that Judas was coming to betray him. He went to the religious uh, leaders, sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver, which was the cost of, the, of a slave. And he said, I'm going to find the guy that I come in and, 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 and the, you know, I'm going to lead you to him and I'm going to kiss him. And that's going to identify uh, who Jesus is. And so Judas comes upon Jesus in the garden to betray him. And in Matthew 26, verse 49, it says, so Judas came straight to Jesus. He said, greetings, Rabbi. He exclaimed and gave him the kiss. And Jesus said, watch him how he turns the other cheek. Because this was a moment of betrayal. Watch what Jesus does. He says, Jesus said, my friend, this is the transformative moment for Judas. This is Jesus turning the other cheek and causing Judas to realize what he's done. He said, my friend, the guy who's betraying him, 
go ahead and do what you have come for. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't call anybody who was betraying me. In the middle of actively doing it, I don't think I would call him friend. But that's exactly what Jesus does. He turned the other cheek, called him friend, and it turned Judas's heart. Matthew 27, three through four says this, when Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. Another translation says that he, was, he repented within himself. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and elders and said, I have sinned, he declared, for I betrayed an innocent man. There's heart transformation there. Another scene in the same garden. As Jesus is there, Judas, Judas kisses him and then the soldiers come in around him. And Peter, being as impetuous as he is, draws his sword and strikes the high priest's servant's ear and cuts it off. And Jesus, in response to the violence on his side, on their side, does not get violent. He turns the other cheek. And here's what he did. He picks the guy's ear up, does some Jesus power. And the guy is healed. How do you think that man responded? to such kindness in the moment. See, turning the other cheek means loving and, and, and with God's love. It means doing something that's just unthinkable in the moment, that is nonviolent, it's creative, and Jesus demonstrates this with us. This is how we turn the other cheek. We love those who are there to betray us. We love those that are there to do us wrong. Turning the cheek means loving with God's love. What that means and looks like for us men is that we can choose to forgive someone who doesn't deserve it and hasn't even asked for forgiveness. It may look like you humbling yourself and, and finding an accountability partner and finding someone to confess a secret sin to because you know you're only going to be as sick as your secrets. Or maybe it's just fighting on your knees in prayer for someone who's wronged you. And sometimes you got to throw a punch and sometimes you got to turn the other cheek. Men, today, I want to tell you, you know, you're only as strong as you are honest. And I want to encourage you in this moment. Maybe you can use the connection card or maybe you want to take a note on your phone. But, but there's a battle that each and every single one of us has to win. And I just, I just, in this moment, would you be honest with yourself? Would you identify what that battle is? You don't have to tell me. You, you most certainly can. You can put it on that connection card and ask me to pray with you over it. We can have a conversation and have coffee and, and talk about how you're going to do it, how you're going to win, how you're going to win decisively. But, but we've all got to be honest and talk about that battle we've got to win. Maybe, maybe it's, it's a battle in your marriage or with your kids or with your mental health. Maybe it's with your finances, your relational health, or, or maybe you've got a higher calling to make a difference. There is some battle. And if you don't identify it, you're never going to fight it. And I just want to encourage you with this last scripture as I as I close abruptly here, Deuteronomy 20, verses 3 through 4 says this, Hear, O Israel, today you're going to go into battle against your enemies. And guys, you're going to go into battle. But here's, my, here's the word of the Lord for you. Don't be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not be terrified or give way to panic before them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Men, today, you need to have a cause worth fighting for or you're going to fight against yourself. Learn to throw a punch and learn to turn the other cheek. Remember, men, you have the heart of a warrior and it's time to fight the good fight. Let's pray. Father, today, I pray that you would just reveal yourself to us. That, that because we know we're made in your image, may we see you as a warrior. May we see you in all the, the, the multifaceted ways that you that you. Uh, show yourself to us. As a result of showing yourself to us and revealing us, yourself to us, Lord, 
show us how to live our lives as, as men of God, as, as warriors, willing to fight, to, to throw a punch, make a difference, to turn the other cheek, trusting that vengeance is yours. God, help us to respond to offenses, to oppression, with creative love that transforms people's hearts like Jesus did. In this moment, as we continue to pray, I just wanna, wanna tell those of you that are here today, maybe you find yourself far from God. You don't have a relationship with him at all. Maybe you've had a relationship with him and you've walked away from him, but you need to know this one thing, that there is a battle going on in the spirit realm over you. The Bible says that our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of the air. And those forces are fighting over your life and your eternity. But here's the good news. Jesus gave his life to decisively win that battle. And he won it in his crucifixion on the cross, in his burial and his resurrection on the third day. Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. And your choice, all you have to choose today is to trust your life to him. And that puts you on the winning team. That means you, you get filled with his spirit. You get a redo. In other words, he'll take all the mistakes and all the sins of your life. Sin is just when we miss, miss out on God's best for us. We do things that are contrary to what he has for us. Take all those sins, all those mistakes, he'll wipe them clean as if they never even happened. He'll assign purpose and meaning to your pain and redeem your whole life and use it for his purpose. God has a plan for you. He has a family of people for you to belong to. He has a full and fulfilled life here on earth. That means a taste of heaven. And then he's got eternity in heaven with him. So there'll be no tears, no crying, no pain. For all your battles have been fought because he'll be with us. Listen, if you're ready to make that decision today to choose Jesus, I'm gonna pray this prayer and I'm gonna give you the words. And I'm just gonna ask you whether you're here in person. And, and if you're in person, everybody praying out loud, nobody prays alone. If you're around other people right now, maybe watching this on a watch party or just, just pray these words out loud. The words themselves are not special. It's, it's your heart that believes and with your mouth you confess. Salvation is received as a result. So say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to follow you and teach me to tell others about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And the Bible says, if you prayed that prayer, that all of heaven is having a party for you. Man, we celebrate with you. Come on, Simple Church, can we celebrate with those that made a decision today? It's awesome. Listen, if you made that decision today, make the second best decision you can make right now. Grab a connection card. If you're online, you can click on the digital connect card and fill it out. Say, I made a commitment today. I said yes to Jesus. I want to know more about getting involved. And man, our team is going to reach out to you. We are going to, and I promise you, nobody's going to harass you. We just wanna connect with you and help you understand your next steps in your spiritual journey. You belong to our family now and we feel a responsibility to help you out with that. You're not meant to do that alone. So if you'll fill out a connect card, that gives us an opportunity to do that with you, to celebrate with you and help you on your next steps. So make sure you do that today. Amen, everybody? All right, well, as we wrap up, again, I wanna remind you uh, that we are after service dismisses. We are headed down to Coldstone. It's just out the front doors to the left and all the dads are getting free ice cream. We've even created our own custom ice cream uh, flavor for you to try. So that's there if you want it or you can get anything you want, but uh, but that, that is available to you dads. Happy Father's Day to you all. Also, uh, this is an opportunity for us to continue in our worship uh, by through giving. 
So if, uh, if you brought something to give today uh, and you're in person, there's actually a give box that is stationed on your way out. You can drop it in there. It's a box sitting on a table as you exit the auditorium doors here. Uh, you can drop right in there or you can use digital means to give, which are all appearing here on the screen. Uh, you can mail in a gift, you can text a gift, uh, but use these, use these. We thank you for your faithfulness. If God has spoken to you to give something above and beyond your tithes uh, to the building fund, you can do that here. Uh, we appreciate your faithfulness as you do that. Listen, I wanna tell you, we're very excited. We're starting a brand new series next week uh, and we're gonna be working through the book of Galatians for the rest of the summer. Super excited to do that with you guys. We'll see you back online next Sunday. God bless you.